Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners. And right now we're in the middle of the Writers of the Future week where we have contest winners, M. Dupre, who is the author of The Greater Good, illustrated by Jim Zakaria, who is an amazing illustrator. And we're going to talk about the art that he created and how he selected what he did to do what he did. So welcome, M, and welcome, Jim. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, I mean, this is always the funnest part of the, of the whole process, which is otherwise crazy, insanely busy, and everything else that goes on with it, but meeting the actual winners, the people, it's just, when you have this much creativity together at one time, it's just, it's a constant rush, and it makes really good to get that because it's definitely not constant sleep, so. No sleep at all. No, really. <laughs> so, um, so, M, um, how long have you been writing? Um, well, I've been writing since I was 18, seriously writing for the past um, eight years when I went to Orson Scott Card's boot camp. Um, oh, good, yeah. It was my first story, and I submitted it to him. Um, I didn't know what else to do with it. I, I read Orson Scott Card. I submitted it to him. He accepted me in his boot camp, and um, that got me started with Writers of the Future because that was the first thing he mentioned. Yeah, he's a very good friend, and he's an amazing instructor and a brilliant writer. Yeah, he really is. Yes. And then, Jim, what about yourself as an artist? Well, um, I've always been drawing uh, and painting, uh, but thinking to do it seriously didn't come to much later. I'm, I'm sort of an odd angle at this. You know, I um, coming in at an odd angle, rather. I started doing graphic design first. Uh-huh. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I loved it. I loved doing the graphic design. I started doing book cover design, which is I always knew I, I would end up doing books. Mm -hmm. I thought I might be illustrating them, but I ended up doing the cover design. And I worked at that for many years. I, I worked at Little Brown, starting at Little Brown Publishers. So, yeah, I, um, after a long time, I was feeling like I really want to create art again. Mm -hmm. So I started doing uh, simple pieces. I'll tell you a story. What happened was um, I was doing a cover uh, for a musicologist. And I was sketching out sort of like what the idea I had, what I wanted to do. And he said, that's great. That's great. You know, and I said, okay, well, here is how I want to um, render it. And he said to me, well, no, uh, just colorize the sketch. I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, I love the sketch. Colorize the sketch. So that is what ended up on the book cover. But I loved the concept so much that I did what I wanted to do for him, for me. Mm -hmm. Entered into an art show. Get a letter from the art show a couple weeks later. He said, we love what you did. We love your art. You know, you should get larger space next time. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and, and keep going with it. And, uh, and I did. Uh, and eventually I won an award with them, um, artist choice, uh, the judge's choice, rather. 
and I got another Judge's Choice uh, Award uh, just two months ago uh, for the body of work, not just one piece. So that was great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's how that's kind of how I got started. I eased into it, uh, starting to create the art for the book covers I was designing. Mm -hmm. They weren't for this genre, but I was creating art. And that's all I cared about. And I, I made the uh, covers, well, I made the covers experience of designing them much better for me because I can control everything. Right. You know? And they were great covers. I thank you. Them. Thank you. And it, 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 I started getting more experience, you know, because for each one cover I design, you know, I'm doing, you know, 10 or 20 comps and I'm designing covers, you know, designing art for all of them. So, you know, it's really, you know, my chops are getting great. You know, I, I said, wow, well, damn, I can paint the Photoshop now. You know, so, yeah, that's how um, I started wanting to desire to do it full time. And that's where I'm at. Oh, good. Well, hopefully this can be a good uh, assistance to, like, boost it up a bit more on, uh, on success so, with a career. It's been great. Board. Yes, absolutely. So now, Em, you wrote a story. It won Writers <laughs> of the Future, The Greater Good. And it's, it's an awesome title. And then getting into the story itself, what a concept. I, I actually haven't read stories. And when talking before this, our interview here, you start saying, oh, it's actually blah. So let, we're going to explore that now because it's, it's fascinating when I start getting more of the backstory, how these other various stories, you know, when they're put together, like where it came from, you're like, Wow. I had no idea. I just, I don't know why I liked it, but now I understand more why. So the greater good. So where did this story come from? Well, um, to put it frankly, it's a sin eater that I put in space. And um, a sin eater is big in several cultures uh, all over the world, from the Aztecs to the Welsh to the Middle East. And Catholicism uses it today when you go to confession, somebody who technically eats your sins and um that's where i got it from yeah it's amazing i i hadn't I'm a, i was familiar with catholicism but i didn't really view it as sin eaters but now what you're explaining this thing here yeah right you know. it's where the black sheep comes from they would sometimes eat a spiritual or a ritual meal everybody would put their we'll just say a cake for lack of better examples, put all their sins, they talk to the cake, the sin eater would actually eat the cake and everybody would feel like they were absolved. Sometimes they would whisper it to a sheep and send the sheep out into the wild and they got rid of all their sins for the year. And I think Catholicism, we all know they, ex they accepted a lot of pagan rituals and just changed it to make it more palatable. And so, also say, also to like, Expand their religion. Exactly. To yeah. expand their religion, to take on the beliefs that people were already using, like Easter, mm -hmm. and Christmas. say, yeah. we, we have this too. You can go ahead and forget your paganism. We're, we're all inclusive. Mm. Um, but that was one of the things. The sin eater is a confession because everybody knows when they've done something wrong. I mean, yeah. hopefully it's inherent in you if you're not a psychopath. And I think even psychopaths know they just enjoy it more. Um, <laughs> when hopes. <laughs> <laughs> they got to get something out of yeah. it, right? But I just took that concept and I thought to myself, you know, people are, 
there's always human nature and people will do what they will do, whether they see it as good or bad. And, and I mean the little things, not the big things. I mean little things like little lies or stealing or being jealous or maybe falling out of love and cheating with somebody else. Even if you were on a generation ship, those things would not change in human nature. Now, the resulting of that when you're confined in a small space means you either have to have a prison or you need some way to deal with it. So I right, these people are on a ship. They've they've gotten a message from a superior race. Right. And then someone the government tried to suppress it, but then somebody correct. else got it, broke the code, spread it all around the planet so they could all get it, and then they built a ship that transport these people, which would take, what, a couple hundred years? A couple hundred years. And so in that couple hundred years, a lot of wrongdoing would be going on. On this so, big, big, huge ship. Exactly. Which they gave the formula how to make it. Uh, That's right. And so there would be the part where people were on the ship who were born who didn't even want to be a part of this, but they're a part of this. So there's going to be trouble no matter what. But I just put it in small troubles, human troubles, stealing, jealousy, affairs, you know, gambling, maybe a little recreational whatever on the side. But if they continued on in that way, they, somebody would have to deal with it. And they didn't have space for a brig. Nobody wants to oversee prisoners. So the only way to, to deal with this would be to take it all the way to have a sin eater. Uh, that's just, um, I said, it was a, to me, it seemed like a foreign concept until you just explained this. Now, like, it's not foreign at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I wasn't viewing it from the Catholicism because that's the most current, at least here in America, that you see, and maybe not elsewhere, but. It is. It's the most current. But um, I kind of feel like if you have a confessor of any kind, whether it be a psychiatrist or, you know, a priest, it still results in the same thing. You want to unburden yourself. Right. So I had Adrian Parrish be the person who, whenever I tied it to brain functions, because when you ever feel guilt, it actually stimulates different parts in your brain. And so that's how I tied it in the science fiction world. That's amazing. So now, when you saw the, when you read the story, how'd you arrive at this, or did you pick different sections that you illustrated, and then it was Echo that helped direct you? Echo, um, is, Echo Trenick is the coordinating judge for the Illustrative's contest and is the art director for this. Right. Well, you know, it grabbed me right away. Sometimes it takes a few pages, but this story grabbed me right away. It really drew me in. I sometimes, not all the time, sometimes I get a, a good hit right away, and I that's uh, with the resulting piece I, I worked on, I, um, that's how it happened with this. I, I had this vision almost immediately. So what you, what you painted there is, right. that Fantastic. was your first right. inspiration. It, right? it is. I mean, I worked out other, other pieces. There are, you know, there, you know, there's something, you know, the, the, what's happening towards the end of the story is very interesting to me too. Very interesting. Right. And I, I was fighting with which one do I do? And I, and I think in that case, Echo helped, and, and you know, because I, I presented everything, and and she said to me, well, you know, you could do anything you want, but you know, these are all good, but you know, I, I like the first one, I right? Said, yeah, that was my pick as well, and I was glad uh, that she she felt that way. So and then you know, it came down to you know, okay, how am I going to design the Redeemer, and that's what he calls his. Um, this little machine there, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the redeemer. 
and, and I started looking at MRI machines, but I thought they were just too clean, too slick. And in, in, in the story, uh, you know, and wrote that, you know, that they were they were um, first look they first looked like old diving bell helmets. So I said, well, what if I take that and you know, I don't want it to look exactly like that, but you know, you know, it was a starting point, you know, to, yeah. to uh, designing designing the helmet. There are other elements that other details that I mentioned in the story that I wanted to do, but then I started getting muddy really quickly, mm -hmm. and I wanted the concept to be clean. And I, I'm really happy with how I arrived, you know, where I ended up with, um, and. I uh, yeah, I, I think I made the right choices. In fact, yeah, I, in fact, too. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a beautiful piece of art. It is clean. It says everything it needs to, and it's just gorgeous. It's perfect. One thing also, though, I, I wanted to get down was a, 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 a sense of place, and I said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to have to put. You know, planets behind there to, to you know to express that this is happening in space, right? Uh, not on Earth somewhere in some office or something. That, and they do mention the office uh, in the in the story, and I, and I, I explored that too. Uh, but no, I, I thought uh, by having the you know the the actual helmet, the Redeemer, and the, you know with the planets behind that that really um, and the composition too really helped. Like a lot, a lot of. Circle, yeah, having his face in the yeah. foreground and the white, yep. the purifying light. In fact, that's what I call the uh, the piece, purified. Wow, absolutely. So now, M, on um, your journey as a writer. So you've been, I mean, that's, that's cool because Scott Card is definitely pushes people to writers of the future. He, he really does. He says he does probably to you, but when you take the workshop, he said, and this is actually what I did. I have accumulated so many honorable mentions and sil silver honorable mentions from writers of the future over the past eight years. And every story I wrote, he said, send it into them first. And if they don't buy it, then send it to somebody else. And that's what I did. And other people have bought other ones. <laughs> but this was my last try, actually, because I would have proed out. Proed out? I would have proed out. Wow. Well, congratulations to you on that, and well done on making it in the, in the 11th hour. I know. I, I was overjoyed. I am overjoyed. I'm still overjoyed. So what is, what's your plan now for yourself as an author? Um, well, I've just finished my first book. It's called Incubation. Um, I'm having an editor look at it right now, uh, developmental that way. I know I'm doing it the right way. I've also written um, three graphic novels that I've been holding off on publishing because um, I really wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I wanted this. I didn't care if I came in third. You know, I was, when I got that call from Joni, I was like, just just let me place because this is this is what I wanted. This, all of this is is a dream come true. And if any aspiring writers are out there listening, do not give up. Those honorable mentions are just supposed to motivate you even more because I I've gotten enough of them, you know. But eight years. I mean, some people 
maybe it's something in in America where it's the entitlement and, and the whole thing of like not having to. I don't want to wait. I, I need right instant gratification, and publishing is not an instant gratification industry. If that's if that's what no. you got, don't expect to have any happiness anytime soon. No, if it's worth it, you're going to. It's going to take longer than you think it is, and while. The funny thing is, is that I was already preparing my next entry. I already had it written. And I, Joni always stays in wonderful contact with you. Um, she's the reason why I'm here today. And I called her up. Actually, I'm like, your storytelling quality is the reason why you're here today. I just want to make sure that's real understood to you. You're here because you are an amazing writer. That that too, but she's a great motivator. Okay, good. Okay, Jody's a great motivator. When you are feeling low and you're like, I don't know if I can take one more honorable mention, she's all like, some people don't even get that. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. I'll just go ahead and submit one more. And... I was ready to submit, and I said, I didn't hear about the last one. She said, well, that's because you're a finalist. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know how to take it. I, I had a smile on my face for, uh, for like three days, and then she said, well, that doesn't mean you're going to your place. I go, it doesn't matter at this point. You know, it, it really didn't matter. Was that matter. your first time as a finalist? It was my first time as a finalist, and it was um, – my story wasn't finished, so I just changed the scene in this one. I had gotten a sil silver honorable mention with the story. And then um, she said, well, you can resubmit if, you, uh, if you've read it over and changed something. I added a new scene to it. And that was the difference between silver honorable mention and placing second, one scene. And I think my experience as a writer and being rejected so many times made me realize what I was actually missing. And it was, I, I could not have imagined this. Wow. Yeah, and it's, um, I mean, you're halfway through right now the week on this thing here, and it's, there's still a lot more coming. I can't imagine that either. Yeah, there's still a lot more coming. So, Jim, yourself, now, how many how many times did you enter? Are you one of those the first entry and you made it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was it. Them. That was it. Yeah, one of them. You can see. You can see why <laughs> no, he. It's like it's amazing. He, he is incredible. I'm surprised oh, he's you. not on every book cover. I mean, look at this. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. So, your plan now, because so, you do, are you still doing the, the, Graphic design and, and the stuff you're doing. Before. I am doing, yeah, freelance. I'm doing. I'm still doing graphic design. Yes, but I have a number of shows planned to do. I'm, right after this, I'll be doing Gen Con. Well, but not right after this. It'll be happening in August. Right. They all come in at the same time. You know, so I'm going from one to another really quickly. You know, within a the week. Another really good art show too is a Dragon Con. I did it. Oh, good. Yeah, I did it, and that, that's how I found about this. Oh, good. Okay. A dragon card. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't applied yet for this year. I'm going to see if I can get in this year. Uh, but, yes, I'm going to be doing Gen Con, and then as soon as I come back from that, two days, another two days, I do Boston Comic Con. Good. Um, you fit right, right in there. Yes. yes. <laughs> I do well there. And, yeah, it's my backyard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so you keep on doing the Gret, because that – Right now pays the bills, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then doing your your other art, your fine art, and your. So are you going to go in the direction of of doing the sci-fi fantasy stuff, or are you just like 
all over the place. Okay. No, 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 no. It's it's, uh, it's a sci-fi fantasy. Uh, yeah, all these shows I'm doing, yeah, that's that's all I'm submitting. Uh, usually, music is a great motivator and you know and influence me. Uh, I you know will sometimes hear a, just the name of a song or or, or a lyric, and mm -hmm. that'll give me an idea for a painting. Wow. Yeah. So do you, your paintings now? Do you do what what format? Yeah, it's all digital Photoshop? right now. This yes, is, yes, okay. for sure. Have you ever experimented with like chalks or doing oh, yeah. it with? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have a, you know, my studio split in half, you know, where I have all the traditional media equipment on one side and digital on the other. Yeah. Is there a pressure? You know, got his ENIAC on one side. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what happens, what I fall into is I'm doing these projects, you know, the graphic design projects. It's so easy just to stay there and jump into Photoshop and start painting, rather than jumping into my uh, traditional uh, artwork area. But a lot of times I'll start with uh, a traditional rendered drawing, uh, and then bring that into Photoshop or whatever I'm using to to help. Um, um, move it along. You said you made sketches. He, I asked him about his process, mm -hmm. and he said that they turn in sketches, and then they have to turn in more detailed sketches. Mm -hmm. So, are, are you sketching by hand, or or is this a sketch on a computer? The first, the first round was by hand, and then uh, the next three rounds, yeah, were, were brought into the computer. Yeah, it's made a wonderful difference, I think, in the art for the books in general. There's been a major escalation in quality when Echo took over and started doing the art direction because, mm -hmm. I mean, she's, she does that. She's very good with that. And, um, I mean, obviously Lazarus is, that's what he's been, is an art director for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And he's been secretly entering the contest for three years as Lazarus Black. Are you serious? Yeah. So he... Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an illustrator of the future judge. <gasps> that explains a lot. Yeah, he's he's um he he wanted to be a writer all along, but it was too hard for him. So then he went to art school and became a full career as that. Oh yeah, because illustration is just so easy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Writing is so difficult. I'll just pick up a pencil. And so he couldn't. He couldn't master it, and and so he went to art, and and did that, and, and became a, a career, you know, thirty years with that. But he'd always secretly harbored this his goal to be a published writer, and so he started entering the contest. He he was one of the first ones that did the workshop. He did a workshop, I think, three times, and he kept on submitting and submitting, and then good for him. His honorable mentions and be all excited about it, and then we had to. When he became, when it was announced that he was going to win, we couldn't announce it, you know, who he was really, because we wanted to, because uh, uh, he was a first place winner. So we had to be careful how to do that because you can't let the first place writer winners be known because they could be disqualified if, if one of the judges cross flows it, then they have to, right. you know, it can. Good for him. Yeah. So he's just, he's one of those super stories when he got his phone calls. You know, Good that he, was, he was a finalist and then he was a winner. He was, he was just like so, uh, it wasn't just the last few years. It's something since the child wanting to be, but never could, never validated for it, never encouraged. 
Hmm. And uh, it happens, you know. You want to, you say you want to go in the art world. Luckily enough, um, I don't want to say it. My mom's a hippie, and so she made (laughs) pots. And so any kind of creativity, she was a painter, and she used to try and get me to paint. I'm like, I I can't paint. I'm not a painter. But uh, words, I love words, you know. I can paint with words. Yeah. And so I didn't have that same barrier. The only barrier I had was my own mental self-esteem issues on whether or not this was good, whether or not it was bad. You know, it's a it's a big hurdle to overcome. I think every author's got and even some of our judges still have the imposter syndrome that they that they deal with. And you're kinda like, oh come on. <laughs> You'll never you know, we we were walking to lunch today and there was a sign in front of the parking garage that says no validation. And mm-hmm. I took a picture in front of it <laughs> because I'm like that's how you feel. <laughs> no matter where you get in your life, you're going to be in front of that no validation sign, <laughs> you know, feeling that exact same way. So if you feel that way, go take a picture on the sign. It's on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw a commercial that was something like that in a way where, um, you know, there was, there was a waitress serving some people, and, and, and the woman asked, uh, you know, what she does, you know, uh, what she's going to school for. She goes, oh, I'm going to school for art. She goes, oh, that's nice. Uh, have you figured out what you're going to do for a living yet, though? <laughs> <laughs> Always that, right? Right. You, right. Find, you find a way. You really yeah. do. Yeah. You know? And what's great, too, with, with the judges, you got the judges who are so willing to accept you into the fold. It's like... The contest, by the time you win and come here, you're not being viewed as someone going to a workshop to learn some basics of writing or illustration. You're here because you already know how to do illustration. You already know how to write. Now you're getting how to make a career as a writer or an artist. It's a whole different perspective, and you're not competition. It's it's true. I don't know how it is with illustrators, but writers will help you every step of the way. They are always willing to put their hand out so you can step up on that horse. They're willing to give you that information. And I know I've never heard of any other industry where everybody who's successful is waiting to help you up. You know, I think that's that's the great thing about writing. Yeah. It's non-discriminatory. You don't know who you look like. It's all about what you can do. And the people who are on top are willing to come down and give you a hand. And I think that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. I find that in the art world. I mean, especially for this genre, I find it. Uh, find that because you know, everybody I've met so far have been very helpful. You know, you know, I, I, I couldn't say in, uh, enough good things about them. Yeah. It's, and we got some of the most amazing artists and, and authors. Incredible incredible artists the names you you have to bow down to the names that have (laughs) walked through these hollowed halls yes when i um it was amazing when i met octavia butler she invited me to her home and i went went in there and we had a a tea and she was um all of her walls were just bookshelves just Books, 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 books. She she really loved Owen Hubbard's fiction and, and a lot. So we talked about that. But talked about her too. She's, you know, her her life and an amazingly lovely, lovely woman. And 
she became a judge. I got her to agree, you know, she agreed and she became a judge for the Writers of the Future contest. And it was a couple months later, she, she took ill and she passed. But it was, you know, maybe I should put a thing in on the, um, on our writers, judges, you, you know, should. photo she, of her. because She's she, wonderful. She's, she was, she's yeah. an idol of mine. Yeah. What she did, both for just the black community, but also for females, for underprivileged, for everything that was like, you know, in the 60s was just, you know, shunned. She represented a lot. She represented a whole lot. But talking to her, meeting her, she, like I said, she was such a wonderfully nice and gentle person. She didn't drive. She took public transport everywhere she went. You know, that's, that's how she got around was the buses. And um, uh, she was, you know, she talked about when she was in, in school. It was, a, it was a small school she went to, and it was a very small library. And she just, she read everything, every science fiction and fantasy, but she read it all, wow. you know. She just, she was a voracious reader, which is something that's not in common with, uh, with writers. And then she started writing, and she wrote and wrote and wrote, and um, definitely had barriers to overcome, but she kept on writing. And uh, she wrote an essay for Writers of the Future, volume eight maybe, called Fuhrer Scribendi. But it was an article she wrote for Writers of the Future. It was published in that. And um, after her passing, then the, her agent asked for rights to be able to republish it in a book of her essays, collected essays, which... Um, I'll have to read that. Yeah. I didn't know that existed. Yeah. I've only read her short stories, but um, Kevin Anderson told me something today, which was, he said that for some people, and I, I think, I believe this is true, that once you read science fiction and fantasy, it activates a previously dormant gene in you, <laughs> and all of a sudden you turn into some rabid creature who just goes seeking it, and it it makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, it's like zombie. I need brains, and that's a that's a wonderful story. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you shared that about Octavia Butler. She's such a hero of mine. She and James Tiptree Jr. The fact I think women science fiction writers mean more than anything. They're such an inspiration. Yeah. We've had, I mean, the number of people we've had as, as our judges and people that have, that have uh, worked with this over the years, I've got, I'm going to share with you some of the different names, but I don't know how much you, you track artists and art. I, I, I do a lot. I, Frank Zetta was a judge. Oh, well, absolutely, yeah. Yep. I uh, went to his museum, opened up in Stroudsburg. You know, I was down there that first the first year it opened. You know, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the stuff that I grew up. Yeah. You know, I was just at the opening of his museum uh, two months ago in, in his home in Boca Grande. Right. And there was about 30 of his pieces, original artwork there, which is just amazing because that's like at least $30 million worth of work there. But that was the home they lived in, and that's where he died in that in that home. I I heard he had a stroke, and he taught himself how to draw again with his other hand. Right. I mean, how incredible is that? I mean, what kind of courage? Uh, he was just must a genius. Uh, he was an absolute genius. But we've we've had like um, 
over the years, I don't know if you are familiar with Leo and Diane Dillon. I do. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. So she, Diane's got an article in this volume coming out. Oh, okay. That she wrote how it's called The Third Artist, how they work together. Yes, they did say that. They met, you know, they, uh, I heard her speak about that many times. Yeah. And then like Will Eisner, who's yep. the Eisner Award is, is after I have him. all of his books. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, I have so Will he was, Eisner. He was a judge. Yeah, H.R. Van Dongen. Uh, there's, you know, there's Frank Fazetta. Frank, yep. You've got uh, Frank Kelly Fries, who's, yep. um, you know, just brilliant uh, of the artists of the um, yeah, I picked Golden up his Age. book. I picked up his book just when I was starting art school. Yeah. And then, um, let's see, like I said, there, there's Frank. Yeah, Larry, Larry yeah. Elmore is just... No, I was just downstairs with him. <laughs> I, I cornered him. And, <laughs> <laughs> so you got these amazing artists, and there's uh, Jack Kirby, Paul Lair. Um, Gary Meyer just passed away last year. He was one of the senior instructors at the, um, at the uh, art school here in, in uh, Pasadena. Okay. Um, we've had, let's see... With uh, Sean Tan, he was a winner back in volume six or something like that, seven. And he went on to win an Oscar half a dozen years or so ago. He's, he's one of our judges there from uh, New Zealand. Yep. But he's just brilliant artists that we've got. These are all the major, many of the, of the major players in science fiction and fantasy mm-hmm. um, art and illustration. And then obviously the, the judges that we have for the writers contest are equally as as uh, celebrated mm-hmm. with what they've done, you know. Much so. So, um, part of what I try to do on this on this podcast is advice and tips, and now speaking to you as professionals, <laughs> get used to it, um, because you've weathered the storm. Some people aren't willing to like, you know. Entry after entry, year after year, reject after reject. I mean, Kevin is probably one of the highest paid science fiction authors in America. And he boasts himself having the most rejects of anybody. You know, 10 years ago, he said, I got over 750 rejects. I said, I still get rejects, you know, and I mean, it's definitely not an industry for thin skin. Right. Either one. Sure. You know, either one there. So, advice or tips or and also hurdles that you had to overcome that you almost succumbed to but didn't okay um you're on um for me something i learned is that there's no perfect time to write you just write whenever you can um rituals whatever i used to go i was living in new york at the time and if i Went to the library. I used to go to the public libraries to write because I knew if I went there, I was going to get down to business. Just write whenever you can, all the time, you know. <laughs> and uh, the word no actually means nothing to me now. I feel like that's just that's just part of the conversation, <laughs> you know. Don't take no as a as being just. Dis- a discouragement. It's actually an encouragement to try harder if if it means something to you. And if it doesn't mean something to you, that you know, it's fine. If you want to quit, it's fine. Then it means you're not you don't have the backbone for this. And that and that's okay too. But um you have to kind of develop a like you said, a, a thicker 
thicker skin. You have to know what's important to you. If story is important to you, if expression is important to you, if creating is important to you, then keep writing. Good. I think the hurdle for me was getting myself out there, push myself out there. Uh, when I, yeah, it's the same thing with them. You know, I would find the time, you know, between book covered assignments, I would find the time to paint, to create, you know, uh, my visions. Uh, and a lot of them just were self-initiated visions. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I just started putting myself out there. I, I, I attended, you know, one show, had a, just a few smattering of pieces in there, and then, and then another one had more stuff, and you know, and that's where I've been at, just building, 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 mm-hmm. um, and uh, always painting, always doing it, so uh, you know, always demanding the, the highest quality of myself. Um, uh, you know, I would, you know, I, I would trash something and start all over again if I just think it was what wasn't going the right way. Yeah, if it's an easy fix, it's an easy fix. But if it isn't, uh, I'll, you know, I'll scrap it. Yeah. There's a, um, sometimes a false perception that you write a book so it should sell. You do a painting, it should sell, you know? And there's there seems to be no leeway for a gradient to becoming a writer, to becoming an artist, you know, whereas some things, you know, if you're going to make a piece of furniture, it better be good. Otherwise, you know, that's expected to be good. But on, on a writer, you need to be willing to throw away the first however many stories or your artist, your first however many until you can make a cloud that looks like a cloud. It's a learning experience. Yeah. You, you learn by doing. I think artists actually have an advantage over, I mean, illustrators, because I think we're all artists, maybe. Who knows? We are. Um, well, we I do. think they have an advantage because we're only validated if somebody buys our work. You can keep producing work right. um, ad infinitum, and uh, maybe it's good, maybe it's not, but it's a constant learning experience. We will only gain that recognition if somebody actually buys whatever short story that we do. So we can keep producing them, but if they're not worthy, nobody's ever going to buy them. You know? I don't know if I... Yeah, I agree somewhat. I mean, you don't need a publisher to pick up your work anymore. I mean, there are plenty of indie authors out there now. That's true, but if it's you do have I know to learn. I understand what you're saying. Yes, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, there's, there's, you, know? I, you want there to be gatekeepers. You want somebody to say right. whether or not you've reached this hurdle and you're good. I found one of the best learning experiences was this um, website called Critters, where you're supposed to give critiques on other people's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first place I ever saw Ken Liu, who was actually another finalist yeah. here. And... Um, you would read all our, of these. And our forum is one critters twice now is the best oh, forum. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Well, critters, it is everything from zero to 100. Mm-hmm. And you have to read. These stories get delivered to your email and you read them. After a while, you start to realize 
this is bad, you know? Okay, sure, okay, <laughs> you right, know? yep. And I recognize this in my own writing, right. so I'm going to get rid of it. This is this is how we work. Okay. But you are able to actually sketch out something and keep in, improving it. We got to erase all the all the words. Yeah. You, can, okay. you can make your sketch into a Mona Lisa. We got to burn it and start it from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, in the... <laughs> In the end, if you have desire, real desire, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to get rid of it. You're gonna, that's an itch you gotta scratch. It's true. It's it's all. I hard. think that's a senior a senior datum on this whole thing here is it's an itch you've got to scratch. A writer has got a real writer has got to write. It doesn't matter. I've got to write. An artist, Larry Elmore, you've been talking to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he said I've always had to draw. I just always have to draw. You know, and his, and his Wife will tell him, says, look, it, you're not helping anything right now. Just go draw, you know? Because <laughs> that's all he wants to do is draw, you know? Right. And he's 73, I think he's now. And he says, I just want to paint. That's all I want. I just want to paint. I could just, if I didn't have to sleep, I would love it. I just, I'd paint all the time. I just, he has to do it. He's, he's got these visions and he's such an amazingly brilliant artist. Yep. You know, he just paints such good things that, um, but that's what he is. He, he's an artist. Right. It's a weird little addiction, right? I mean, you you have to drag yourself to do it. It makes you feel better when you do, you know, but then after you do it, you're like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> and then the whole cycle starts all over again. You drag yourself to do it, you know. This is the way you express it. All down the line, even the piece I did for your, for your story, I kept looking at it, you know, even after it had been accepted. I said, well... I want to let me change something here. I want to let you know, I want to let me do this. I like you know, you want to dabble with it, you know, still some more, but you know, you know, but sometimes you just gotta cut it. You gotta let it go. Of, yeah, yeah. There's like a couple words I wanna change. And I, I actually I'm sitting here and I know exactly what page it's on. Mm. Like if I can mm. just change that word and I was trying to find a way to do it, I'm like, yeah, just gotta it's learn done. to let it go. It's done. <laughs> let it go. So now on the um on the workshop. It's based on a, a lot of Elwin Hubbard essays. That's how it was actually built originally by Algis Budras. Any of those essays that particularly resonated with you? Yeah. Um, like I told you, when Orson Scott Card told me about this, I actually read one of the assignments. I've read all of his essays. So yeah. they gave me this book. I'm like, I already read this a long time ago. I searched it out. And even on my computer, you'll see something called The Manuscript Factory. I named it because of L. Ron Hubbard when I read his manuscript factory that it resonated with me to the point where I actually read it every New Year's. I have the essay saved. I have my oh. manuscript factory and I remind myself of what he said. And it was, it was important for me when I was first starting out to read that, that, that you are a manuscript factory, that you have to believe in yourself. You have to put the time in. Not everything will work, you know. And uh, for any new writer that there is, read that essay. Yeah. That essay needs to be number one on your reading list. It'll change your life. So you do have an opinion. I, I have a strong <laughs> opinion. Every computer I have has Manuscript Factory in it because of L. Ron Hubbard. Okay, good. That's, nice, that's a nice little ritual. Uh, it, every it New, Year's e New Year's Eve. Uh, it's the, a reminder. Uh, I, I, also try to, I also try to do a new piece every January. You know, right from New Year's, bang, get into it. That's good. Yeah. Any of the, because you were given as, as there the, 
the book called Art, which is a collection yes, of various yes, essays. Yes. Anything from there that particularly resonated with yourself? Yeah, so, when I, I, I'm sorry, but yeah, when I started reading it, I really like, oh, I want to read more, and yeah. and I started looking at some of the other things in the back of you know things we weren't talking about in the workshop, and I said I got to read, read this, but we have, just haven't had a chance to. Yeah, <laughs> so I understand that read. the in the in the book itself, one of the first essays in there is is called Art, mm-hmm. and there um, he talks about art is the quality of communication, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that they went over was um, you can go so much into the correction and trying to make it perfect that you lose the communication value okay. of the art. You just reminded me, yes. You just reminded me. That did resonate. As I explained earlier, my, my, a lot of times it happens to me, I don't know why, but my first inclination, my first idea is usually my best. I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. I'm sorry I can't explain it. That's the spark it. of creativity. And but that's like the essence of your creation on that. And and just, right. And if I go on, I get bogged down with details and, you know, and misdirection. And, you know, and I feel like I need to, you know, scrub it all and go back to my first, my first thoughts about it. And I don't know why that happens with me, but it does. Not all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but most of the time. Yeah, he didn't get into doing all the edits and he's just, I mean, he was in a, definitely in a league of his own there. He was a, he had a composition speed of 92 words a minute and he would submit stories to the uh, magazines in, in New York, uh, first draft, first submission and they sell, you know? And so he's writing hundred thousand words a month and writing three hours a day, three days a week. That was his schedule. I mean, he was fast, but he built. He wrote a lot, and he wrote mm. millions and millions of words. And then, but he was a consummate artist. You know, he did a lot of work with with painting and, and illustration art. He's got, I think, three gold albums. He wrote the music and uh, the lyrics to it. Mm. Um, he was uh, a prize winning photographer. Uh, wow. Kodak used to send film to him to test it. Wow. Underachiever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, he just he was he was very busy and very dedicated. But he has he has had the viewpoint of like don't do anything as an amateur, you know. Mm. So if he takes something on, he just wanted to work to be a professional. But he he worked with both writers and artists quite a bit in the '30s and '40s, and that's why he started the contest. And he was one of the most um, qualified to do the contest, and because he was one of the most successful writers, best paid, he's endowed this contest, and it's it's. You know, he's continues to to endow it. You know, even now, nearly four decades after launching the contest. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, that datum of art is a quality of communication, obviously in illustration and painting, but it's also in in writing, where you've got sometimes a writer. They write, I need to correct it again. I need to correct it again. And when you had um, Dean Wesley Smith talking, he probably addressed that a bit because he writes. 75, he publishes 75 to 80,000 words a month in his magazine. Yeah, he's he's very prolific, too. I think um, I have to think that people like that are, are just another breed onto themselves. <laughs> <laughs> There's some kind of crazed virus that they have that I have not yet gotten. Um, but he didn't, he actually didn't so much touch on that. Um, Dean Wesley Smith is, I think he's 
he should be cherished (laughs) 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 through through the ages. He is a singular person. He was the first person to be recognized by the contest in volume one. And the story's in here. This is the first volume. Isn't isn't that crazy? I it's it's sometimes so hard for me to believe the people who walk through these doors. You know, like Dave Farland. Um, I always got, and it made me sad when he passed because I always got his blog. I had it delivered to my email and he would always talk about when he entered the contest and how he did it and what they're looking for and everything. And somebody as prolific as that is always going back to their roots and trying to inspire other people like Dean Wesley Smith. He, He was the first person. He's back here today. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And, uh, no, and several of the judges that will be talking to you or several of the judges that we have were themselves winners. I mean, you, it makes sense almost four decades now. There's a lot of a lot of people that have won over the years. Absolutely. Yeah, when I looked at the list of judges we have, I said, well, I know all these people. I, wow. And yeah. I didn't know, yeah. Robert Silverberg. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, and all these, almost all of them, they're on the on the uh, podcast. So, so Bob Silverberg's on there. Yeah, obviously anybody that's, uh, if they were, if they weren't alive up to um, three years ago, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get everybody. We but we, some of these, a lot of them, we had video interviews on that were able now to. We're getting those things edited and, and put out, and we're going to have a whole series of of, uh, of these interviews posted. We're going to be releasing our first one. Friday night at the uh, awards event with uh, a special video, which there are none that exist on Frank Frazetta. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of ran into a, um, accidentally saw a, a clue about that. Yeah. So it's it, that's going to be very exciting that one. But then after that, we got videos with Anne McCaffrey and um, that I'm anxious to show Todd because Todd hasn't seen them. It's it's we've got a whole series of these of the masters with them. They're all beloved judges, you know, for the contest. So we had all these interviews that we're now pulling them out that were recorded years ago. And um, why didn't you do this before? These are great. We wanted to wait for you to arrive, M. Oh, we've been yeah, waiting for yeah. you to actually make it. <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay. Yes. So um, we're down to our last like uh, seven minutes or so. So on. Your own, like, what was the thing that you almost quit writing over that you then had to overcome? Oh, um, look, <laughs> receiving receiving rejections is is they're depressing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can I can make a house full of all the rejections that I got. Um, I think. It wasn't until I learned to keep sending things out that I already had kind of hope in the wind so the rejection I got wasn't nearly as bad because I already had something else going. And so it was it was only until that I did that that I, I didn't get so discouraged. But um, I'm unfortunately one of those people who... who really doesn't take no for an answer. I feel like it's the beginning of a negotiation. <laughs> and so um, at this point, I was kind of fighting with myself. And um, and I'm always going to win. 
Good. Well, that's absolutely the right attitude for sure. But that's something that people have to understand too, that ultimately it's their drive that's going to make it happen. Nobody else can tell you to sit down and write that story. Nobody else can say, look it, don't, you know, don't succumb, don't succumb. Yeah, if uh, what man has done, man can do. Uh, if a people have started in worse instances than I did, I think about, you know, Charles Dickens with his plume and his ink pen, you know. I've got a computer and electricity. There is no excuse for me not to get published. I don't have five kids running around, you know. There's yeah, no excuse. Yeah, yeah, I, I have yeah, an sure. indoor bathroom, you know. These kind of things, they, they resonate. Sure, sure, yeah. And what about yourself? Well, you know, I think it was not being able to find the time to do quality work. Um, I think that uh, that's the only thing, that's the hurdle I had to get past, I think, to um, to get where I am now. You know, uh, yeah, but then I eventually did. And mm-hmm. I, I started, you know, uh, getting more momentum. Uh, and I just wanted to keep the momentum going. Um yeah, I, and the funny story about this, I, I almost didn't do this. I, almost, I filled out the application halfway. I think Johnny got in touch with me and said, yeah, oh, we noticed that. You yeah, know, one you of know. the drills she does is she goes through and finds all these people that started and finished and starts writing to them to finish entering the contest. Well, my thing was, I stopped because, am I qualified? I mean, because I do graphic design, uh, you got know, with me on. Am you. I allowed to do this? Yeah, she got with me on you. Right, right, and uh, you know, but when I thought about, it, yeah, nobody's hired me to do, you know, commission, you know, an illustration from from me, and you know, I, the, the work I'm doing, I'm doing anyway. So yeah, I mean, but I wasn't, you know, not doing professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So in terms of when you. Visit your, yourself now going, like, what have you gotten now so far after the first half of, the, of this workshop of how you want to take your career at this point? It just energized me. You know, listening to the, the speakers, the, you know, meeting some of the other you know, winners as well. I can't wait to go home. I cannot wait to go home and get back to working. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling. I mean, I love it here. I mean, I love the experience yeah. and everything, but um, I can't make it home and, and really work harder even. You know? Feels like you stepped on a new ledge. You know, like when you're playing yeah. Super Mario Brothers yeah, and yeah. You, you jump on the pipe and then there's a cloud and you jump on the cloud and then you're like, oh, there's another cloud. You just jumped on that other cloud and yes. got like the three stars. That's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to play Pong. <laughs> there are no clouds and pong. <laughs> no, not. There's a paddle. Sometimes you can do two balls. <laughs> I got good with two balls. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> the two paddles. Yeah, I know. Okay, the ones that go up and down, and then you got so far into it that they throw another ball yes, in, and you're like yes. working double time. Exactly. Anyway, I I didn't really progress in my video games, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Not since 1984. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess not. You should try Halo. <laughs> Give Dead Space a try. Wow. Yeah, I, keeping with the podcast, I, I literally have to read a book a week 
to keep up with all my interviews because every I won't interview an author unless I've read a book of theirs. And it's easier with, with this contest because I just have read a short story. But for any of the other authors, you know, it's sometimes it, it's quite an investment. It's have, that you, busy. have you ever been really moved by a short story that you read? And if so, which one? Um, yes. It's actually, there's a lot of them. And it's when I, when I find out what they're about, there's, I mean, there's several in the book that we just, that we just released. And sometimes like talking to you about what the story is, it gives me more like, wow, okay, that's, I mean, obviously I have my own experiences that relate, you know, to different things. But when I get more of what the backstory is or how it relates to somebody, then it's just like, that was really touching. That was really special. It happens to me a lot. I'm I'm one of those very, it's easy for me to get emotional. You know, Marty Cove, who's the guy from Karate Kid, he's a good friend and he's, when he's here in town, he's, he does those shows. He would, have, he would have been down there doing one of those shows with us. But um, my wife used to joke with him, yeah, uh, my husband's so emotional. He's just, he said, he said, no, I'm really emotional too. He said, no, he's really emotional. He said, no, I, I'm really emotional too. He says, he cries at America Got Talent auditions. Okay, he's oh. <laughs> <laughs> He wins. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, it's been great talking to the both of you. So for someone to find out more about you, Em, how do they find you? Mdupree.com. Excellent. And yourself? Uh, well, you can see my work at jimzakariaart.com. Um, you can see my book cover design at zachdesign.com. And you can reach me at zachdesigncomcast.net. Great. So we'll also put this in the actual description on the podcast, too, so people get that. All right, fantastic. Anyway, as I knew it would be, the hour went really fast and it was so much fun. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Writers of the Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. The Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the UK, Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere else on Amazon. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, M and Jim. Thank you. Thank you.